0: Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one, one friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we all are 20 some odd years later, I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John, Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we are going to make our friend, Michael Poli watch one episode of Buffy a week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, uh, welcome to Angel Virgin, a podcast with a fanzine sensibility. Uh, usually we're a spoiler free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, But as you may have guessed, we're watching Angel this week, specifically season two, episodes 18 through 22, including the Pylea saga. Uh, Before we get started, uh, I just want to ask politely those of you listening to make sure to subscribe and rate us on the podcast listener of your choice. Uh, And I am your host, cartoonist Dennis St. John. Uh, Why don't the rest of you guys introduce yourselves uh, with how quickly you've dropped your New Year's resolutions? Well, my name is Michael
1: and, uh, I'm the angel and Buffy virgin. I've only seen up to the end of season two and the end of season five of Buffy. And my uh, resolution was to stop buying stuff. And, uh, I have already bought a Blu-ray, uh, DVD burner. (laughs) Nice. But I'm trying to do it. If I I was, it's like on the cusp so I can start, I'm starting again now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, hello, my name's John, uh, I didn't have a specific resolution, but I did make a, uh, somebody said that instead of focusing on your resolutions, like what you want to achieve, you should focus on like the feeling you want to have in the new year and then work backwards and figure out how to get to that feeling. So like my, uh, goal was to focus on the feeling of like being careful and doing something with a lot of care and craft and intention. And, uh, I'm working on this podcast, so I guess I've broken mine just now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my name's Travis and, uh, uh, I didn't
3: make any resolutions because you can't lose what you don't wager. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I want to see you on Jeopardy.
0: I'm going to end with a perfect zero. <laughs> I bet nothing, Trebek. That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't make any resolutions either, but I'll start a revolution. Uh, I won't really. Um <laughs> But uh, why don't we jump into Angel and we'll do a – why don't we do a quick summary of all the episodes that we're going to be covering. Mike?
1: Sure. So episode 18 of season two, Dead End. uh, That's the episode where Lindsay gets an evil hand. Episode 19, Belonging. Cordelia stars in a commercial. A draken arrives at Caritas. The host reconnects with a cousin. Landoc and Cordelia get portaled to another dimension. This starts this multi-episode arc that probably includes that previous episode with 20 over the rainbow. Cordelia might have been a cow in Pylea, but her ability to see the future puts her in a throne. Angel Investigations discovers a portal to Pylea and is almost immediately imprisoned. Then we have uh, Through the Looking Glass. We learn that Wolf, Ram, and Heart are somehow involved in Pylea. Cordelia has to perform a corn chuck with a gruselokk. Angel's powers now turn him into a demon, but he's saved by Fred, a librarian, who is now trapped in Palalia as well and has been for years. There's no place like Gerb, uh, <laughs> To episode 22. Lorna gets decapitated, but not killed. Gunn and Wesley convince the rebels they're on the same side and with Angel and Fred lead them in an attack on the evil empire. Cordelia kills Silas and then frees the slaves <laughs> before returning home safely to bad news from Willow. Buffy is dead.
0: All right. Thank you, Mike. Good job. Uh, why, why are you
2: laughing so much? Because you said corn shuck, which is fantastic. I really want to imagine uh, Cordelia and the Gruselog shucking corn together. You know what they're implying, the corn <laughs> shuck. It's clearly a mating ritual.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not the phrase. <laughs> those, of, uh, those of you listening can correct us if you would like but I'm okay with calling it that from now on. (laughs) Uh, So uh, let's move on to great lines from these four episodes.
1: Great lines. So I have two lines I really enjoyed and they're very silly, but uh, in the business meeting at Wolfram my heart, like the boss asked for an update on angel. Uh, This is in the, the episode, um, This is Dead End, where Lindsay gets the hand. And Lindsay, like the boss man, you know, Glassy's like, and uh, current status of Angel? And Lindsay says, he's up, he's down, he's good, he's bad, he's a barrel of dead monkeys. (laughs) And before he gets cut off by Lila whatever, but like, it's just a very silly, like, clearly, like, Lindsay is so triggered by Angel. (laughs) He's got this (laughs) crazy, like rant from nowhere. Love it.
0: <laughs> also, you know you're really like fucking up at your job when you're galing this in the middle of your conference meeting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, also an update on your uh your rival, your uh sexual and uh I guess physically <laughs> violent rival who, who <laughs> s- destroyed your hand and possibly your life and took a your girlfriend. Uh okay, and then the dinner at the sushi restaurant with Angel Investigations. Um they're just, for whatever reason, like talking about the food and like Angel takes that as an opportunity to comment on the price. <laughs> He's like, how's that sushi? It's $18 sushi. Is it good? Mm? Uh, but then he says in like this weird like to himself almost. He's like, I'm not cheap. I'm just old. I remember when a few Bob got you a good meal, a bottle and a tavern wench and everyone just kind of stares. at. Him. I love it.
0: <laughs> I was upset because I was about to type that down as I saw you typing it. I was like, damn oh. <laughs> it. I snooze, I lose.
2: Um, I appreciated when uh, Lauren says that uh, xenophobia is kind of a watchword among my people. And Gunn comes back with, uh, why are they afraid of Xena? I mean, I think she's got a fly. Excellent. Excellent. Because, you know, I think the uh, the Venn diagram of Buffy fans and <laughs> Xena fans is kind of a circle.
0: Yeah. And this is a Xena themed episode, basically. Definitely.
2: So. Definitely.
3: Um, I liked when the host uh, was trying to get Angel to help him kill the Draken He said, are you going to help or am I going to have to break out my champion Rolodex? <laughs> and like, I know what a Rolodex is, but <laughs> I feel like most people that are under 20 do not know what a Rolodex is. Unless they've watched a lot of 1980s movies where like the Rolodex was like featured prominently.
0: Am I going to have to scroll through my contacts?
3: Yeah. Yeah, but I'll admit Rolodex sounds more smooth than contact list. Um, And then Angel says later on in the the next episode, when he arrives at Pylea, he says, can everybody notice just how not on fire I am? And like, he's got this cute moment where he's like running around and basking in sunlight. And it's like a goofy, it's a goofy angel. I love goofy angel.
0: (laughs) For sure. For sure. Um I picked uh this is from the end of the Pylea arc, uh a conversation between the head guy hunting angel and uh the monk in charge of all of Pylea. He's like, I will personally bury my spear in his rump. Uh his heart is where a cow's is, uh, right here. Disgusting. <laughs> they got weird anatomy over in Pylea. <laughs> All right. uh, Do we
1: even have a list of all the things that are weird about Pylea? (laughs) That would be anyway.
0: Oh, we should have. Yeah, I created a list of all known demons of Pylea, but um,
1: that's a perfect place to start. (laughs) Let's
0: move on to uh, questions.
1: Well, one of the things that bothers me about Pylea is uh, Angel, of course, gets this goofy moment where he can't uh, be injured by the sun, or he's not killed by the sun immediately. And we find out as soon as they get there. But also when he transforms into a vampire, it's more of like a rage vampire. Um, why, why is that? Wesley explains it.
0: Sort of. So do you mean like this is one of the things like do you mean like mechanically why does this happen? Or do you mean like emotionally what is what are they going for here or what?
1: Well, I think if if Angel has full grasp of his powers, this thing is over immediately. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, he just goes in and, you know, they grab Cordy and take off. So something has to be wrong. But the idea is so if there's two suns, right? And they're in a distant universe. Like, I guess the the why of it is like, doesn't make sense to me. Just it's another dimension. And so things are different because the precedent that's being yeah. established, um, I want to make a prediction about. So I just want to just what is happening here with this precedent that like if you're in another dimension, the vampire uh, transformation is going to be different.
0: Yeah. I think they're just kind of establishing a different dimension means different vampire rules. Um, and they clear, like clearly vampires like this do exist in this dimension. Cause the monk, the monks have a name for it. Um, but I think like physically, like metaphysically, magically, it's like a metaphor for like, like angel comes to this dimension and he thinks he's fixed. But it's like, no, now the curse is just different. And it's in a lot of ways worse. Um, So it's like the thing of like, like Angel and Angelus have been so close this season. And like now they're now that he's not Dark Angel anymore. They're as separate as they've been in in a long time. Uh, But it doesn't mean he's gone. It means, in fact, like when you when you repress your darkness, it gets like even stronger. Right.
2: It's like when you don't shake up the orange juice and it's all pulp at the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it also just shows, you
3: know, he's been in he's been in search of like good angel and that's what his deal is, but even though he desires a black and white universe, he doesn't understand that that if you get into the darkness of that, it's completely dark. You know, like in in in, in um on earth, you know, there were the shades of gray that he could be theoretically, but on Pylea, it's either all good or all champion and then or all evil. And so he's not ready for that either. He thinks he wants it but he he obviously can't handle that that switch. Yeah.
0: yeah, exactly, Trav. Like everything Lauren is talking about about it being black and white world sounds so appealing to Angel. He doesn't get the downside of that until he like directly faces it, right? Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah,
1: cuz it is they totally play it with a high contrast world. You could can go from slave to <laughs> to princess in a moment if uh, you talk to the right guy. Um yeah. So it just, it was interesting. And then when Angel does the transformation, he feels like he can't go back to his friends. He's like, oh, I screwed up. You know, it's like, I can't, uh, I've shown my inner rage demon and I can't go back. And then he's of course convinced to go back. He joins him again. But like, cause Wesley didn't have this
2: a- same trepidation after he like turned into Angelus and like tortured people to death. Or did yeah. he? I guess yep. he kind of
0: did. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was awkward for him to see Giles again. Right? Yeah, it was, it was a bit awkward.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he seems more worried about this is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, well, I think he's closer to these people than he was when he was never never that close to Xander.
1: <laughs> what, um, so follow up question in this kind of same sequence of episodes, and I guess we're going to be talking about the Pylea arc here. But like, why, what makes Wesley a natural leader? because like this this is like a like a like an important inflection point in this episode where wesley okay in this world of high contrast which now is like this is totally what's going on wesley goes from slave to leader of a slave rebellion in a few minutes right (laughs) and like they immediately recognize him as the potential leader he's like this guy's got a plan let's do it what makes wesley a natural leader that you know we've been apparently recognized an Angel Investigation so it's kind of a joke well, sometimes like they use it to play to a joke because Wesley says because uh, uh, he's so good at physical comedy
2: and I guess they're continuing it here what makes him a natural leader I mean is it kind of like how like when you're at the office and uh you figure out how to unjam the copier. And so now you're the copier guy for the rest of your life. Is it just that like, Wesley's literally like, I kind of know how to do this. And everyone's like, great, you do that forever. (laughs) I feel like it's a little bit like that.
0: People don't know he's a fuck up uh, in Pylea. (laughs) Well, I think, I mean, I think arc wise, like, like we, we're learning a lot more about Wesley and we see his interaction through the phone with his dad. And you get this idea, like his entire life, his dad has been shitting on him and tearing him apart. And like, then the Watchers Council does it. And then like Faith does it and stuff. And like he's finally kind of getting over that and finding his own inner strength that's separate from like everything he's been told his entire life. And like when he comes to, to Pylea, he doesn't have any of that baggage with him because he's like just on this quest, right? <laughs>
3: And and he's also grown through his man, like through his leadership style. Definitely has changed since the Buffy episodes, where he's very much like direction top down. I am authority, and then he gets his leadership strength now by being resourceful, a good fighter, smart with the with the with the magics, and and you know. So like he's been told his whole life he's not he's not living up to expectations. But when he's left alone to his own devices, he's you know. He's He got put in charge of angel investigations. Um, and and so he actually is, despite what everyone has told him his whole life,
1: a pretty good leader. I, I don't know, that's my interpretation. But do you think that this is smart? Because like, so in this, right, you can be a leader, and not be smart. And also this is a world where nobody wants to be a leader for some reason. They're like, oh, you take care of it. It's like the copier's jammed and that's the leaders takes care of it. Cause like in this situation, he's leading a rebellion that eventually leads to like all of the free the slaves being freed. Oh, John, you're making a face like you disagree. No, I'm about okay. to sneeze. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so he eventually leads a rebellion that leads to slaves being freed, and they do this wonderful twist on it where they're like, "Um, uh, yeah, freeing the slaves—that's a big deal. <laughs> uh, and it may not be as like clear-cut as it appears to be, but I guess we'll get to that. Um." follow up question again this is all like in pilea why doesn't cordelia give up her visions she is so concerned about her visions um earlier and uh, so in the earlier part of this arc like where she's starting a commercial but her um her if she didn't have her visions she could concentrate on her career you know like she's recovering in a uh, dead end you know from her visions because it was so powerful and like everybody's worried about her that whole episode like Gunn and wesley are like Ugh. our angel like buys her like a catered lunch (laughs) like they're just like really worried how messed up the visions are getting her and she like is making a choice about the value of the visions it seems like she'd rather get rid of them and then she ends up keeping them why does she keep them Besides for story reasons you know angel can't continue if they don't have a way to she's 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 grown a lot as i think i don't know if wesley
3: has said this yet but the cordelia um, the Cordelia you know now is not like the Cordelia from Sunnydale. I, I forget that was said at some point, you know, she's stronger. She has a sense of purpose. Remember when she's talking with uh, Harmony? You know, she 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 has a place in the world and the visions, they're part of it. Like, you know, to be fair, because she was helping, you know, um, helping with angel investigations prior to getting the visions but um i think definitely she's found her place in the world she and she knows what she wants to do and there's definitely uncertainty in changing your place in the world perhaps and um also you know i feel like there's would be some fear like you, you you if you corn shuck with a gruselog i mean there's definitely some fear about what happens afterwards i mean i mean i mean for a practical purpose i would be a little bit con- concerned about giving up the visions in that respect but I think for me, she's developed as a person, and the visions are part of who she is, and helping people.
0: Yeah, I think this. Yeah, this is the story of her deciding to keep the visions, and it's like to have her place to to be uh, a champion of a, of sorts, maybe.
3: Yeah, and it and it, her story becomes different once you're able to to, uh, reject giving away the visions, right? It's one thing to always have the visions and never be able to get rid of them. But when you're given the opportunity to help yourself and you don't, you want to help other people, then that makes you more of a champion.
0: Yeah. And she gets, yeah, she gets the opportunity to redefine them because they're called a curse on Pylea and she has to, she might've called them a curse before, but then she has to decide like, is that what it is? Or is it, uh, yeah, no, I mean it's interesting else. to see that see it play out, and then she,
1: I mean, I I, I agree, and I, I think all that stuff makes sense within the show. It was just it was cool to see it happen, but it was also like I I, I feel like she could leave <laughs> she could leave Angel Investigations and like pursue an acting career. I mean, because she she gets an opportunity to, to get rid of the visions. I think like well with the knowledge she can go home, though they have helped her survive in a way, and you know helped her become a princess in this alternate universe. But I, I guess it's like life of adventure or a life of a regular person. And everybody's choosing adventure over here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> otherwise, what would the show be? Um. <laughs> so uh, just seeing Angel turn into his real demon just asks, opens up demon questions for me of like, like are vampires a specific species of demon that possesses humans cuz that face angel becomes is like i don't know i wouldn't be that surprised to see that walking around Caritas or something like so is every vampire looking like that as a, in its demon form or like can the ghost can the ghost of any demon become a vampire like how does this work um and i don't have any answer <laughs>
3: did did in in the show were we told that demons walked the earth before humans? I can't remember:
0: yeah, yeah that's yeah. in like episode one of Buffy,
3: yeah, and then but we don't we're not told if if vampires were part
0: of the demons that walked the earth. I think they say the last demon that walked the earth infected humans, and that's the origin of vampires, right? so yes then
3: then then I would say that the vampires are a evolutionary offspring of demons.
0: All right, I, I guess that's answered. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? I was just wondering if, like, a different vampire came to Pylea, would its face be different? Would it look more like some other demon species we've seen before? Also, would a vampire without a soul just be pure that monster when it comes to Pylea?
3: Ooh, I think so. I think you're right. I think also the face could look a little bit different just because every vampire is different. But I'm not sure. Like the general, the general features it feels like would be the same, but. You know who, to know who I'd want to come to Pylea would be the master. Yeah. What does that guy look like? <laughs> <laughs> what if they became like this handsome person? That would be hilarious.
0: Or that, uh, you know, the demon with the claw hand. Um, would he become like a pig? Would he become like a dragon or something? Um, I also wanted to ask Michael specifically, like when you were, wa- did you get to watch these with Travis? And could you sense his excitement about Fred being introduced? Red is uh, played by Amy Acker, right? hmm Yeah. So
1: I just, knowing that this actress is someone that has, Travis uh, has said her name just rolls off the tongue, right? Uh,
0: <laughs> an actress well, important just, to like, Travis's life, maybe.
1: <laughs> it's just an actress that's, whose name has come up, but I haven't really seen her work that much. And I'm like, oh, this is, yep, here she is. So uh, I sense that she was important, but I, I I'm not like, Unfortunately, I didn't watch them with Travis, so I didn't catch the excitement in the room with it. So, uh, but now I know that I, of course, I missed out. I'm excited about this character and that she's come back. But, well, I mean, that's a prediction that I think she'll be on the show. (laughs) I think she's going to be part of the cast. She made it to the hotel, at least. (laughs) Um, I have a question.
3: Is Lindsay a villain or an antihero or neither?
2: I think he's an anti-hero. I mean, I think that that that's that's how they want us to read him, I think, especially uh, when he finally comes around and quits. uh from Hart we're 100 percent supposed to be on his side in that scene. And he gives his whole, but I've got an evil hand, sarcastically speech. <laughs> um, and then which makes the like groping on the way out, like really worse, because I think we're definitely supposed to be like on his side in that groping. Uh, it's not a great moment.
3: Like it's a, it's a hilarious scene. I mean, the whole evil hand thing is dynamite. Yeah, no, like it's, it, great, it, yeah. it's a fantastically funny scene and also horrible, but I don't know. I still think he's more of a villain than an anti-hero. I mean, I can say the show, the show wants him to be an anti-hero. Right. Definitely. He's a foil to angel. Who's a hero. But I mean, I, I just, for me, he's going to be villain always day one, He's a villain. I mean, so for me, it's less ambiguous. But
2: well, they go way out of their way for uh, us to identify with him and to feel sorry for him. The whole like really cartoony bit where like he's uh, he's experiencing life without the hand, and he looks and looks at his guitar and frowns. Like, <laughs> oh yeah.
3: But I'm like I'm like a concrete wall when they're trying to you know uh, energize my emotions. I'm like no no. no.
0: Or even when he has a <laughs> I mean, sad story like back, of his it,
3: family losing his home. I'm like no. No, that doesn't mean he'd be a monster.
0: <laughs> like back in season one, he had a moment where it looked like he was like. Oh,
3: he's going to quit. He had this come on a conscience with those kids.
0: Yeah. And then he's just immediately like, I'll use this as a promotion instead. So like us seeing like him getting softer, whatever this episode, I also was like, I don't buy this. You're still Lindsay. Yeah. So you're <laughs> still not a good guy and not an antihero. Uh, speaking of hands, why don't we move on to some medical questions? this is a section mike created called doc travis questions <laughs> doc travis tell me about hand transplants <laughs> <laughs> they're real
2: right they're real now we have a special
1: a- uh <laughs> a special facility in this hospital um that uh you know we don't tell a lot of people about but uh we do hand transplants
2: well, and eyes as well but that's also real yeah
1: oh yeah yeah just every, i just love the idea of um
3: like you you, you just like the whole like the, the whole apparatus of like the transplant surgery and the suite and like the idea that there's like probably like five to ten medical professionals all involved in like some bizarre occult like transplant like it's not just one guy and there's like a it, 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 there's like this whole group of people who are involved <laughs> in occult transplants and then well, like just matter of factly after the surgery's done it's like all right, let's get him to post op, which means there's another set of five to ten people also <laughs> in on some bizarre <laughs> transplant thing. It <laughs> Just like makes no sense. I mean, it's just so crazy. There's like the, the, people the mixing of like, the body bank. Yeah. Oh That's yeah. That other thing. I mean, that that body bank is like straight out of aliens or like alien, <laughs> like. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I wish more hospitals were designed with alien or aliens aesthetics, like, but like, you know, I'm not saying body bags, but at least, you know, the style of it. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's funny.
2: Yeah, that, that, I haven't, I haven't experienced anything quite like that. But just to be, but seriously though, like hand transplants, that that's been attempted in real life now, right? Since this episode, I think, I think did uh, I not see a news article about that? There probably have
3: tried to be hand transplants i mean the most impressive one is the face transplant right that's that's the most like uh public one
2: yeah here we go yeah no it's definitely a thing uh here's an article from last year about a year ago quadruple amputee given double hand transplant also weren't eye transplants haven't eye transplants been a thing without magic since like a long time just got a movie yeah yeah no yeah 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 no, you can and 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 there
3: are when someone is on life support, they'll harvest all kinds of organs, including
2: yes, so so yeah, so the guy who stabbed but his I, eyes I, out, that was probably not necessary for him to get a magic evil eye transplant, <laughs> he could have just gotten a regular one, you would think so,
3: unless there was something else going on, right, I'd go cyborg guy any
1: day, <laughs>
3: <laughs> me some I'm, I'm interested. <laughs>
1: I'm interested in updating the aesthetics of hospitals. I mean, I didn't chime in when you were talking about that, but like, <laughs> I think some future tech would be fantastic instead of the uh, prison chic that they seem yeah. to be more into. Yeah.
2: But I wouldn't want the HR Geiger approach to the hospital <laughs> design. Like just practically in terms of being able to sanitize all those little surfaces, I feel like that would be really difficult. I think All like these want, weird
3: arches and like-
2: Yeah, what you <laughs> want is uh TNG sick bay. Like, although that's a lot, that's an awful lot of carpet, I suppose. <laughs> Wait, they had carpet? The every Enterprise. every surface is on the Enterprise. <laughs> the Enterprise D is like tight woven carpet.
0: <laughs> that makes
2: no sense. <laughs>
0: it's because it's a leisure cruise of a starship.
3: <laughs> carpet? I mean... Who's like, all right, we got the spaceship. Let's lay the carpet. <laughs> Bring in the carpet, guys.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, especially in the hospital bay, right? Like, let's Where are the, the, the dimmer switches?
3: We're going to put the carpet in. We're going to get the dimmer switches. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put up the wet bar. Oh, my God, uh, there's carpet. I never even realized there was carpet all over.
0: For those of you playing uh, Buffy Virgin Bingo, we are deep into next gen the next gen check. Also, this <laughs> is like, blowing like completely my mind. Off, off off base. But like um
2: <laughs> when they do surgery, uh, there's one episode where they do surgery and their surgical, the special surgical robes are red. They're like primary red, which you'd think would be the complete worst color if you were doing surgery. I mean, I guess it wouldn't show stains, but you wouldn't know if like someone was like if there was blood spraying on you, you wouldn't notice.
0: Maybe if you're not using uh not doing if you're doing surgery on a Vulcan it might be helpful because they have blue. That's bloods. true, but
2: they were doing surgery on Captain Picard, who, you know, is a
0: full blood human, as far as we know. <laughs> Except for his heart.
2: Was there was there carpet in the bathrooms on the Enterprise? We they never we, showed we a bathroom. Never once the The Enterprise a does
0: not have bathrooms. Oh. oh
2: it has bathrooms if you I've got the <laughs> oh technical my gosh. manual over oh here.
0: It has one bathroom <laughs> right in the middle of the ship. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the, uh, if, if you, if you're looking at the bridge from, you know, the normal view on the left-hand side, there's a door back there. That's supposed to be the back. <laughs> Again, bet according carpet. to the technical manual, which I guess is not strictly canon, but come on.
0: Uh, so I have another doc Charles question after gun gets attacked and shredded by like the real dark angel, uh wesley just grabs a big pile of mud and rubs it into his wounds um and i just wanted to know why
3: superstition i have no idea that (laughs) that is definitely not what you what we recommend i've never done that to a person i've never been like all right let me go outside grab some mud i'll be right back we'll get you covered in mud bandage you up and you'll be good to go
0: I don't I know. Mean, is it I mean, supposed to just like, like stop the bleeding, like clog up, because it's a large wounded area, right? Because he got like shredded by big claws. I don't understand. I don't. I, I think. I mean, I'm sure there's some old
3: old timey reasoning. I have no idea. You just you just apply pressure mm-hmm. with with like cloth bandage. I mean, it, I'm not sure because there's all kinds of bacteria and fungi in the in the in the soil, like tetanus that if you're <laughs> exposed to to an open wound that you don't want to and there's other things so blows maybe my not, mind i've no. maybe there's, there's a, not a scene. real
0: life recommendation this
3: is this is not a this is not a real life hack for those of you at home and you follow angel as religiously as i do this is not one of the things you want to implement in your day to day life what is well the karaoke bar i think that's reasonable <laughs> <laughs> Opening your own fictional detective agency, also reasonable. (laughs) But not the mud, not the mud on the open, bleeding wounds. I think, I think you can do better.
0: All right. uh, Let's move on to uh, best and worst episodes of the small list. Well, the best episode.
1: and I think this is unfair because it's kind of like a series arc. And I just thought it was the best because it kicked it off. But blogging is the best because it felt like the most unexpected series of events that led to this transportation to Pylea. And it was a very – it was such a bizarre one. But also, like, anytime you hang out with uh, Caritas uh, – and, and I'm sorry, with um, the host – uh, it's and lauren, it's super it's super fun. And like, he's such a fun character to watch like figure things out and just has a completely other series and sets of contacts than, you know, angel investigations where angels like, let me connect with, you know, a detective and like you know, he's he's more like trying to find like someone like Kate and connect with the you know, those kind of elements. Like Lauren just has like some random <laughs> random, regular looking people who all think he's cool. <laughs> <laughs> like when he goes to see the psychic, anyway, he's a great character. And he's a lot of fun. And like his interactions with the library, oh, he's great. And then probably the worst is Dead End. And it's probably gonna be the worst on, you know, everybody's list, I imagine. Cause like, it's just a weird Lindsay episode. And it's like, has this, you know, team up vibe, right? With like 48 hours, which they reference, which is great. You know, of like a uh, good cop, bad cop kind of working together. And like. I don't know about you, but I have not been waiting for the Angel Lindsay team up to happen. <laughs> like Lindsay as a villain is kind of like milk toast, and especially after Angel just like trashed him, trashed his life, destroyed his ca- truck, and like broke his fake hand. I'm like, how can they ever be cool again? And like the fact that Lindsay is gonna maybe you know collaborate with Angel is insane. So that's the worst. That just felt like it was it was tough. But I also I enjoyed watching it because it was so weird. And I like <laughs> Lindsay and Angel being forced to work together because Angel's such a dick to Lindsay. And like just an unrepentant dick. Like even when Lindsay's singing and he's like got a good voice and everyone's like, oh, wow, I you know what? He's a bad guy, but that has a great voice. Angel can't even give him an inch on him having a good <laughs> voice. Angel's such a dick to him. And it's just <laughs> this is like full and jealous type of relationship because it's petty and cruel.
0: Ugh. it's, it's like, like the best. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I also like in Caritas, like Angel still can't really click what Caritas is and what the host is doing with Caritas. Where he's like, why are you letting these like it's he's like still angry. Lindsay's there. He's angry that the lawyers are there. And it's like he just can't get the chill vibe. <laughs>
2: Uh, I just want to echo everything that you just said. Uh, My favorite, I I think, was uh, for basically the same reasons, though, uh, was uh, Through the Looking Glass, which I think is the the second of the Pylea trilogy. Uh, And the only one that takes place entirely in Pylea. That's right. Uh, I just thought it, 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 you know, the Pylea episodes are mainly comedy. Uh, and I thought it had the best jokes, the, uh, you know, num far do the dance of shame. Like <laughs> that still makes me laugh. And I've seen it like five times now. <laughs> like it's still funny. Uh, and yeah, the worst is just every single moment with Lindsay. Uh, I, I don't think the actor's pulling it off with Lindsay. I don't know if I feel like the performance is a little bit like one dimensional. He's just kind of the, the brooding thing. I mean, I don't know if, uh, maybe a different actor would be able to do better. I don't know. Um, but Lindsay doesn't work for me for the most part.
1: Well, I mean, I think if you're noticing the performances, then yeah, like another actor would, would do something better or different. I mean, yeah, something.
3: I'm, I'm happy with how Lindsay, I'm happy with the actor, but I think the role is just kind of flawed, like the, uh, but I think yeah, I'm the same. Okay. I'm the same. Dead End is the worst. And then uh, the three Pylee episodes. Amazing.
0: I I didn't add anything because I was like, it would just be piling. Piling piling. (laughs) on. Paella, also (laughs) delicious. Um. (laughs) So let's move on to the next segment, which is best and worst of monsters. A favorite segment of mine. Uh,
2: I, I noticed in our notes, nobody else had called it out. So I thought I would, but the, uh, surgeon monster in dead end, I thought was pretty freaking cool. It's got the robes and you like kind of see it from behind and it's got the creepy claw. I thought that was a good monster.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, it just didn't fit my theme of like, I'm going to investigate Pylea because it's a demon of our dimension, but also like, why is this demon all like spooky can float in and out of everywhere. Right seems like it's got a lot more powers than just like surgery buddy. <laughs> surgery buddy. I st- I still love the
3: whole floating in and out. Like that still gets me as like something unnatural and cool even yeah. after all this
0: time. Yeah, it just seems like they have so much more power than what we've seen, you know.
1: Well, they just had to kick it up a notch because it wasn't clear that something crazy was going on. So, they had to like make it clear that the hand is going to be messed up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know. If I was going to do it, I'd go for more like a creature. Like, um, did you guys see the new Star Wars? Yeah. There's that little puppet that operates on C-3PO, Babu Grin or whatever. Like, I like that little dude. I would have had like a little surgery demon like. Oh,
2: yeah. Little nimble fingers for doing surgery. <laughs>
0: yeah. Ooh, like a
3: tiny little demon.
0: Yeah. With, like
2: that fits in the palm of your hand. That would be smart. Well, like who is the uh, that fear demon uh, from Buffy? Oh, yeah. Uh, is that Gracknar? Grack- yeah, that's
0: right. <laughs> Look me, just pulling out demon names. He'd be a great surgeon. <laughs> he would. He's so tiny. <laughs> Hear me. <laughs> There's always
1: room for a puppet, right? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> just yes. like
0: always p- room for a puppet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like even in Pylea, like, you know, when they have uh, Cordy and uh you know Winifred like in the opposite jails, like they could just
2: have, add a puppet in there, just to, uh like they're moving the hay yeah, around. There, there is one. There's the puppet. There's a puppet um, cow. Yeah, yeah.
0: The puppet like horse cow thing that's like. Mm-hmm. Some sort of antlered beast. It was a nice detail. It added a lot to this world to just it put did. a puppet in it.
1: I mean like a little gnome.
0: <laughs> yeah. <Also laughs> like a puppet gnome. <laughs> uh, you can always populate your world more with puppets. <laughs> um, and speaking of Pylea, I just wanted to do a general reca- recap of all the demon species we've met, we met on our journeys. Um, <clears throat> so, okay, the variety of known demons of Pylea include the Draken, which is um, some sort of word hog, Bebop type demon, uh, which is apparently similar to a Hacklar, which I don't know if we've seen a Hacklar, but they're described as also being like, um, maybe a rock steady to Bebop, I don't know. Um, we learn that Lorne is a member of, or first we learn the host name is uh, Lorne, uh, and then we learn he is a member of the Deathwalk clan. And from what I even though the clan makes me think it's like one particular family, what I've interpreted through my vast research is that all green skin skin demons from Pylea are Deathwalk, whose uh main attributes seem to be the green skin, the horns. They have the heart on their left buttocks, uh they can be decapitated and and recover. Uh, And they all have some degree of psychic power that they usually use for hunting. They don't understand music, uh, (laughs) but they do understand dance. Um, There are hell beasts, which are similar to the hell hounds that attacked at um, Sunnydale's prom, but appear to be domesticated. Uh, There's another species of humanoid demon that live basically similar to the Deathwalk clan called the Gathwalk clan. They are fleshy demons with head nubs uh, and are involved in the slave trade and that's all we really know about them um there are the covenant of tromboli Tromboli, uh they're the monk demons uh they appear to be kind of red-skinned and tattooed uh they maybe are similar to darth maul's that's all we really know their hearts i'm guessing are still in their butts um <laughs> Uh let's see. Uh, and they appear to have some a simil- some affiliation with Wolfram and Hart. Uh, there is uh, the Gruuselug, which is not a, a demon species, but a title, but he appear- but the character appears mostly human, but has unknown demon heritage, including giant pupils. But we haven't seen any demons with giant pupils, so I think he's from an unknown species. Um, d- vampires do exist in p- in Pylea, and they're called the Vantal. Um, and there's also blue, uh, blue skin demon species uh, that we've seen as um, the leader of we see the uh, one guy who's the leader of the guard. Uh, they have no horns, but also have a heart in the rump um, and mentioned, but not seen seen as a flame beast. So I, I feel like that's quite a collection of demons to have uh, found in this planet so far. But there's always more. <laughs> Great
1: cataloging. I felt like I was at a lecture on the, on the subject. Thanks. Well, I, I thought the, the best, the best demon I thought the best best monster was the Pylea farmer character. Yeah. It was like, like when uh, Cordelia shows up in the, you know, Pylea and like immediately gets captured, like just setting the tone immediately with this farmer's like, you're a cow. You talk too much. Just like this, whatever that style of, uh, <laughs> character is this like rural character just really nailed a universe and they they really stayed in that universe and it you know it, it was really interesting like i felt like i was in a you know like a george lucas style production of a thing for like at least 15 minutes and like and i love the back and forth between that and anyway that that was that character is really fun and like i would say gen- generally all the pilea farmer characters that were really mean to cordy were awesome like they really they were super believable and weird and i love how they completely ignore her it's great kind of a chatty cow cow uh, we're, uh, you need to stop it that milk's worth more than you oh
3: god i uh, i like the draken from the belonging episode and the reason that I think that's the best one is because the, the fight scene with it is the best because of the they're fighting in this weird, like open air warehouse with all these stacks of wooden crates and they've got these flares, right? And it's just like the coolest scene to me. It's one of the best scenes ever in Angel where they're filming them and they're following them with the flares going down these different pathways. And it's all like practical effects. There's no CGI and it looks amazing Yeah, to me. So I just love that nighttime scene.
2: I love the, the Draken's like extra long forearms. Yeah. That's yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. I think it's such a struggle to like this episode, they do the, the hell beasts again. And it's like, it's always such a struggle to have like a quadruped uh, in a human suit. Uh, so just giving them extra long forearms, giving them that uh, the ape arms really helps. Like if you're going to do something that's like not just a stri- strict biped.
1: And then for the worst monster, I just want to bring him up, Seth, the commercial director on the beach (laughs) ad that Cordelia's in, because like I I have this thing in a rant section about this, but um, he's like that—that's that monstrous scene or that like that confrontation scene, super interesting in a way. Like it's both—it's infuriating to watch as a viewer because Angel uh, like is clearly in the wrong. But then we just see like like Angel shouldn't be there. He's like a bad boyfriend <laughs> that immediately like figures him out. He's like, get this guy out of here. But then like the objectification of women in that scene that's like completely superfluous, as it turns out, is like it's pretty sad. But uh, it feels like I mean, that is it's weird to watch a scene where you are talking about objectification that includes objectification yeah. in the
0: scene. So it's, it's a, like it does this whole thing is such a have your cake and eat it too moment. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's an excuse to get the cake.
1: Is to talk about the cake.
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I can't. Well, I, I want to talk rant. about it in a
1: rant section yeah. as a separately because I, I feel like that transformation. Like yes, the transformation of her, you know, going into her own and owning her psychic powers, awesome. But the transformation of like rejecting slash accepting the acting commodification you know at you know sexual commodity thing and then going to pilea where she's like uh cleavage princess i mean that was a little bit like what are you what decision did you actually make there you didn't you actually <laughs> you you right. just put her in a starring role in a fantasy <laughs> series instead of a beach ad and that's we all prefer that um
0: <laughs> let's move on to best worst celebrity cameo then um and it Cannot go. It cannot go without saying that um, Numbfar is Joss Whedon. Uh, this is his only cameo in the show, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good one, though. I didn't realize that was him.
2: <laughs> it's such a. It's almost like it. It really reaches almost like Monty Python levels in that yeah. scene, <laughs> but it just works really well. It's really funny. It's hard to take the story seriously at that point because, like, because like the story does want you to take at least semi-seriously ideas about freedom and slavery and what does it mean to be free as a ruler, what does it mean to be free as a slave. Uh, it kind of wants you to take those ideas seriously, but it's really hard to give it any attention when you've got
0: <laughs> far. It also totally undercuts this whole thing of like. I really like Lord's speech of being like, it's a world without music. And like, I thought I was crazy. I thought I was hearing ghosts in my head because I could hear music. And then we find out there is dance. Yeah. (laughs) And it's stupid. Uh, Also, just uh, that Daniel Day Kim from Lost and other stuff, including uh, the most recent Hellboy movie, uh, starts showing up as a new Wolfram and Hart lawyer. And I think that's all we got for Celebrity Cameos this week. Only ones I noticed. <laughs> uh, so let's move on to uh, what I always call our most ill-defined category. Best <laughs> Worst Character Look Slash Work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the best character work was Lindsay with an evil hand. That was lovely and a mess. And it made me laugh, even though it was dumb. And But I, I think it was like, it did the right thing where it was like, this is a dumb villain character. Lindsay is calling out how dumb it is and then enjoying the dumbness of it. And like, even though he gets a little grabby, like it's it's funny in the scene. And I don't want to take away from it and call it out and like, oh, it's misogynist. Like it's straight up funny and stupid. And he takes advantage of it on his way out Uh, in this alternate universe where <laughs> you could just call it. Even uh, I really <laughs> like that mess. But Wolfram Hart's a mess. But it was a blast. Lindsay with an evil hand and also just like the whole he has so little to work with anyway on this show. And he has a whole episode to work with his hand and be upset about it. And like he's poking at it. He's confused. He's investigating it. Like it's just this feels like how I feel when I'm trying to tinker with stuff around the house because I am like so dumb about technology. But the only reason I'm able to fix anything is because I just spend too much time on it. And like this is me fixing my elliptical for the past three months. And it is fixed as of yesterday, but it was just like poke, poke, poke with a digital multimeter. Like, huh, I don't know anything about anything. Um <laughs> and the worst is Cordelia's the princess. That was just the worst. Um, I I mean she's a great actress and I love how she that how she handles the character. But I think their choice on this to go with the cleavage uh Xena Warrior Fantasy Princess was a mistake. It's uh, because it's the, the
0: red Sonya bikini, is what it is. Oh,
1: it was from wardrobe. Okay, uh, it just it it just undercuts. I think like her, the, her transformation to ma- to sexualize her transformation. Of course, they make it make sense in that world because she has some mating rituals to do. But like they could have easily done a different kind of princess. Like there's other looks for a princess. And I think after the previous episode where they made us feel like you know acting was a sexual you know actors are sexual commodities, and they made us feel like that's a bad thing. And ultimately Cordelia agreed with that, that then, you know, in the meta of the show, you have decided that actors are sexual commodities. And so you can't, you, you, you brought it up, but then you made a decision that they in fact are sexual commodities. And I get it episodes of different directors. So someone could have a different perspective. And a, this show itself doesn't have to have a consistent perspective, especially in a uh, episode by episode TV show. But like, I saw these back to back and I was like, this is clearly the, the meta narrative of this is like actors are sexual commodities. And they just that's that world they live in. And I, so felt I don't know. I was, I was frustrated with that because that seemed like such an easy. <laughs> they, they set up the conversation and then just uh,
0: decorated uh, Cordelia up. Thanks, Mike. Um, I just think every character should get their own Pyleo look. Uh, if this show was making action figures, they Clearly would have given every character a a look. They only do it to Cornelia and Angel. But Angel gets two. He gets his warrior look and then he gets his demon look. Uh Wes and Gunn just are walking around in their normal clothes the entire time for three episodes.
2: Well they have their normal clothes and then their normal clothes covered in sewage.
0: <laughs> it's true. They're covered in sewage. <laughs> That's a look. <laughs> I'm just, you can't really make action figures out of it.
2: <laughs> no, you totally can. Do, do you remember the uh, GI Joe Eco Warriors, where you would spray them with water and they would have stains all over them? It would be color changing. Uh, like all right. shit stain is actually shit like a, a valid uh, action figure gimmick.
0: Say so West becomes a leader. He doesn't get any weird uh, leader garb. True. You're so right. Ah.
2: Oh. It would be great to get for them to get the uh, the stocks though that they use as weapons. Which no, oh God, that that really like made me like. I mean, I don't really care about realistic fighting at all. But when he's like using his neck for leverage to like spin a massive piece of wood, <laughs>
0: come on,
1: that
2: okay. was good uh, prop comedy. That was yeah. good prop <laughs> Good Prep work, um, but my uh best and worst uh character uh look was uh Cordelia's denim cat suit when she first arrives in Pilea. It's uh somehow both completely like form fitting head to toe and also head to toe completely denim. It's a really bizarre uh fashion choice. You
0: got I, I, t- I totally
2: agree with Mike with uh that it was definitely a
3: miscall call on having Cordelia in like the fancy bra uh princess outfit you know at the end i mean that's that totally undercut things so
0: all right uh let's do uh best worst new character
1: I'm i'm gonna of course you know state the obvious that winifred fred the librarian is the best new character she's kind of amazing and a mess and I like how she's paranoid. She doesn't know if she, how long she's been there. She's been there so long and that she's like desperately trying to recover the like magic words in the world that will take them back. And like, I, I love that character and that um, I'm super excited to see how that character builds on the show because you, you wouldn't not introduce something like that and not do something interesting. So like, I'm loving this alternate take on an occult character as a librarian I mean, we've had, you know, Jenny Callender, Giles, you know, Wesley and like Winifred is a blast. And I, I I'm i enjoying her and I'm, I'm sad, for, but I'm excited about all the PTSD she's going to have <laughs> from this world. <laughs> and will she even adjust back on Earth? And then the worst for me, the new character was the Gruselog. And I mean, I know he's not going to be a recurring character necessarily, but that eye choice was so weird. And, uh... <laughs> I mean, the the setup of the gruesome as is like, oh, this guy's going to come and you, you're going to be like brutally raped by a monster. <laughs> you'll you'll see. <laughs> and then he's like a handsome dude. But like those eyes were so bizarre um, that it like took away from his performance. Because I think we look at eyes so much that like you, you get you get a lot of the acting performance. And I think it it undercut the performance a lot. And I think that that one choice ruined that character for me. So that's my best and worst.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to say during like Fred is such an enjoyable character. Like I didn't even want to like write a best because it's like obviously Uh, her taco rant, though. Like I watched that last night before I ate dinner and I was like, I am eating tacos. Like, (laughs) like, what am I even doing in a world with tacos and not eating tacos? Like (laughs) you have convinced me this is the meal choice. (laughs) I've been transported
2: uh, to a, a dimension called the
0: UK where there's no tacos. And let me I tell you, it fucking so, sucks. So sorry for you, John. <laughs> I had some, ama- I had amazing tacos last night. <laughs> and I appreciated them so much more because of that taco rant. I was like. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, if you ever want to appreciate tacos more, just call me up and I'll tell you how much it sucks to be here with no tacos. And then when you complain about how there's no tacos, people will say, but sir, didn't you realize there's a. There's a Taco Bell now in Croydon.
0: <laughs> John, I will send you, I will text you photos of every taco you just to torture you. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs>
2: I went out for Mexican twice
0: while I was in the States. It was mm. great. <laughs> and you were doing Midwestern tacos. like Yeah, they're not great. even as good as yours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're not even that good. But still, so much better than no tacos. <laughs> <laughs> And Fred Fred is moving to L.A., the world, the land of tacos. Ah. What um, if you
2: were in the dimension without tacos and the dimension without shrimp?
0: One thing I was super bummed about, I got sick over New Year's and the party I was going to go to had like three shrimp platters. And I was like, no. <laughs> <sighs> it's barely enough shrimp. <laughs> well, it was only like four people coming, so it was like...
1: <laughs> i mean uh, they really set you up for success with the shrimp platter because like you can that is like a meal for one to two people i mean it's <laughs> the shrimp
0: party tray come on yes we know how that gets used <laughs> um so my worst uh and really i i agree with mike here but i just wanted to add a different one is like uh La- Landok Mar of the Deathwalk clan um, just because I don't feel like the character gets properly like like Lorne has a lot of upset feelings about him showing up and Angel's like really really gets along with him and I feel like when, when Angel finally clicks like what's bad about this world and stuff like we never really fully explore like Landok's like issues or like, like Landok coming to terms with like I've been killing humans, and humans have feelings. Like, <laughs> I just think that could have been like uh, the character feels like he got off the hook because instead of being explored,
1: dude, you're so right. Like that that whole episode, <laughs> Landak Bar is like just uh just a total like red hair. I mean, it doesn't feel it's so unexplored because it's like we just use him as an excuse to start this amazing Pylea arc, and like, yeah, that and, and Lauren. But you do get some self-explanation from Lauren, but yeah, Landock is is lost.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's nice to get that
1: contrast, but it just—it's just how insane Lauren is. Like he's such a weird (laughs) character, period.
0: (sighs) Trav, why don't you talk a little about your favorite character?
3: Oh, Fred! Oh no, I—I mean, she's my new favorite character. Um, But I mean, I liked her performance. It was—it was definitely delightful, but just the tip of the iceberg. I mean. So we, we're just getting to know her and um, there'll be plenty more of Fred, which is great. So um, I, I should have I said the best, I, the best acting that I saw was with Gunn when he was giving up being with his crew and like giving that speech of I got to stay here. That was really touching. And so I think like the best like single instance of acting was Gunn of saying, I've got to go be with my crew. And then, that was great. I mean, so much so whole, you don't
2: understand why he changes his mind. Yeah. It's a I little bit, I he mean, jumps in the car and he's like, we're off to the other dimension now. You're like, wait, why? But that's, <laughs> you had a really good reason for staying. You idiot.
0: Yeah. You, know,
1: you know why. You know why. Because Angel called him up and told him they got a suicide mission.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And Gun is, ever since his sister died, Gunn is definitely on a suicide mission.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like the show could explore Gun a lot more than it does. Yeah. Like, we get the some good stuff, this arc with like him watching Wesley and watching the way Wesley behaves when he's in charge, and I think we need that, but like I'd like to see it more, yeah
2: um my best character was Lauren's mom. it's a comedy character uh and it's not real deep, but I just the uh, uh the way that uh the way that the character is constantly uh Going doing these like kind of like passive aggressive guilt trips that then have made me really quickly ramp up into just completely saying what she thinks. And she's just like, Oh well, you never come see me because you're terrible and I hate you and I want
0: you to die. <laughs> like, we ate the wrong like, child.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like those all really work. I I I really I really like that character.
0: Nice, nice. All right. Uh let's do best zoom in and enhance opportunity. Let's throw this. I'm going to throw this one over to our tech quiz, Johnny.
2: Thank you. Um, So uh, when Lindsay breaks into uh, Nathan Reed's office and signs in on his computer, we get a lot of really good shots of like the Wolfram and Hart operating system um, and a lot of uh, things here. Um, However, 99% of it is extremely boring. It's actually just stuff from someone's office computer. So it's like got his to do list and there's nothing on there that's interesting. So Nathan's read to Nathan reads to do list includes, uh, you know, the Blatt case deposition, L.A. office assignments, senior partner reports and on and on and on. It's all really, really, really boring for the most part. The only just halfway interesting one is shaman contracts is on the list, but everything else could literally be from anybody's to do list. Um, He's got uh, files on all of the people. He's got a file on Lindsay. And he has a file on the Fairfield Clinic, which uh, is uh, mildly amusing. I'll read that. Um, it says, offering a wide range of health services, the clinic provides first-class care for our most valuable resource, our people. In addition to the usual range of healthcare care offerings, Fairfield's research department is at the forefront of development of advanced treatments. Perhaps no facility in the world has developed such sophisticated use of demons in the therapeutic setting allowing our employees benefits, which would be impossible with pure traditional medicine. So that's it. I mean, there's really nothing else that much that's that interesting you can pull out of this, Um, except for the fact that Nathan Reed's password is the word Zen. It's three characters long, his password. (laughs) (laughs) That uh, may have flown in the 90s, but man, (laughs) it's pretty bad.
3: Like it would have been cool if it was like evil, but spelled with like a one instead of an I. I mean, there could have been.
0: Is is Nathan Reed's keyboard upside down? I'm glad you noticed
2: that it's backwards. Um, so you oh, could it's say. Yeah, you could say that they just um, for some reason it was easier for them to shoot it uh, from the other side. And then they, they just reversed it since it was a quick shot. and No one would notice uh, except for people who go through, you know, frame by frame and notice these things. Um, but yeah, it's reversed uh, left to right. Um, I choose to believe that yeah, it's an evil keyboard and therefore it's not a QWERTY keyboard, it's a
0: you keyboard. <laughs> you type the wrong words, you summon a demon. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Flick blurk. Also, there's nothing about Nathan Reed that says that screams Zen. No. <laughs>
2: right. Well, it's what makes it a good password. You just never guess it, except unless you're Lindsay. Also, like, they don't have the little dots, so you can't see the password over someone's shoulder, which is probably how Lindsay got the password.
0: (laughs) I should always do the little dots. There's always something kind of amusing about, like, when people are creating their own computer programs for movies or shows where they can't use, like, you know, what a real computer looks like. So they create these systems that just look like. That would be, oh,
2: God, time travel job fantasy, like going back to the 90s and being the designer who designs the the UI for like, you know, Jurassic Park and stuff. Although, did you know that the 3D um, zooming through the computer Jurassic Park thing, that's a real thing? Really? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that was not made up for Jurassic Park. That was a real thing.
0: That is the most inefficient use of a system. (laughs) (laughs) Did you watch, there's a community episode where they get VR, but it's all like programs like that. He's like, to delete a file, I have to drown it in the.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's weird, right? It's like, you know, when the metaphor gets out of control, like that becomes the only way you can conceptualize something. But those things seem absurd. But at the same time, like trying to explain to your parents what how to do something on a computer. (laughs) Right. Like if these visual tools help at all then yes like m- make the metaphor super big like you go inside the computer you click to
2: enter email like whatever it takes yeah i was watching my dad use a computer and he's like pretty yeah. computer savvy uh but watching him like try to use his laptop he does not understand touch pads like he can't like he, he like he's not he doesn't under he's he doesn't understand tap to click he's still like trying to press like with one finger the button and the other finger to move, uh-huh. but it's all one thing now. And he and he and it then then it freaks out. At uh, never mind.
0: Uh, all right, thank you, John, for that um, <laughs> zoom and enhance opportunity. Uh, and I know that uh, as you've stated before, uh, Angel is not in HD, so it's a little harder on this program to do the zoom and enhance. So I appreciate the effort you put in. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and now let's move on to recommendations. Recommendations. And usually with recommendations, what I do is I try to curate a list. Um, and I did these recommendations all last night and apparently I went rant instead of curation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I didn't do any editing, which is, uh, interesting, but okay. So anyway, Let's start. I'm going to start with Idle Hands. Uh, this is starting with uh, the Angel's Evil Hand episode. I'm starting with Idle Hands, not because I think it's a great movie, necessarily, but uh, it's a movie I really associate with this group, especially Travis. I don't even know if Travis <laughs> really likes that movie th- this much anymore, but I really like. I cannot think of this episode without thinking of Idle Hands and without thinking about like enjoying this movie with Travis. Um, and you know, it's a, it's a 90s Evil Hand movie. It's got Devin Sawa. It's got uh, a young Jessica Alba. And it's got, most importantly, Seth Green. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there, uh, so anyway, yeah. Honestly, the movie is kind of worth watching. It's fun. Um, also, from that same episode, uh, several alien movies have the that body bank scene and the kill me moment. Um, so any number of alien movies would be on that recommendation list i watched alien resurrection last night um and which is the one kind of notoriously joss whedon wrote and that movie is fun it's it is weird and gross (laughs) i'll go to bat for that movie any fucking day it's a good movie (laughs) it's kind of dumb but it's good (laughs) Brad Dourif is excellent. He's the scientist who's sexually attracted to aliens, which it's about time like that they brought that into the series. Well, that's why you can't do it in hospitals. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just feel like, you know, you create these guy designs that are sexual, and then you don't, like, admit that that's what's going on. But it also points out, like, sexual doesn't mean necessarily sexually attractive, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so evil dead two also is probably a, is a great, uh, t- evil hand movie. Uh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, I think Narx did out of the park in terms of the physical acting more than Devin Sauer or Lindsay does. Um, he's really able to animate his hand as a separate character. <laughs> um, and how often do I get to recommend both movies for entirely separate reasons? I'm also recommending it's sequel, army of darkness. Ash time travels with his car into medieval times battles monsters Uh, exactly what happens in this episode I was also thinking uh, Cordelia kind of has an Ash moment because she like gives up the princessness and it's like kind of that Ash like sure I could have been king but in my own way in my own way I'm still king hail the king baby (laughs) Uh, I'm also going to recommend Mars Attacks because Lorne has an amazing ability on this on Pylea where singing causes people to have seizures reminds me of Mars Attack that's how you kill him (laughs) Um, I have to recommend Red Sonia because that is the origin of the Metal Bikini. Uh, Red Sonia originally a um, character created uh, by Robert E. Howard, became a famous Marvel comic, uh, which is where the, the Metal Bikini came into play, became a movie. There is a Marvel issue of Spider-Man where Mary Jane ki- gets possessed by Red Sonia. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's a movie with Bridget Nielsen and uh, Schwarzenegger. Uh, let's see.
3: What was that? Was that pre Return of the Jedi?
0: Pre Return? No, it's post Return of the Jedi.
3: Because there was like a pseudo metal Leia bikini, right, in Return of the Jedi and Jabba's
0: palace. Uh, that's true. I was thinking it's the way that it's a slave um, bikini, the yeah. chain, the chainmail thing. Yeah, um,
3: you're right. There. Yeah, that, I don't remember much chainmail, but there was like a pseudo.
0: Oh, sorry. the The Red Sonia Mar the comic character, is from before. Predates. Uh, predates. The yeah. movie is okay. from after.
3: Yeah. Okay, but
0: the but the comic predates it, so that's cool. Yeah, um, I am going to recommend the Brain That Wouldn't Die because Lauren gets to be a talking head, uh, and the Brain That Wouldn't Die is kind of the most solid uh, talking head movie. Um, a woman gets decapitated, the scientist <laughs> brings her back as just a head, and then he goes searching for a body. Um, Let's see. I'm going to skip that one. Uh, worth mentioning is um, the a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court, which is a Mark Twain story. It feels like this is a lot based on that uh there's two film adaptations of it at least one from 31 and one from 49 and then there's riffs of it like a kid in king arthur's court um which i think is part of the angel in the outfield cinematic universe um <laughs> and then the riff the riff on it black knight with martin lawrence as well as the other riff a knight in camelot's a knight in camelot with whoopi Goldberg. uh also, also worth mentioning is uh, Just Visiting, uh, with, where John Renault comes to the, uh, this is more of a riff on um, the Landoc coming into our time scene. Um, and I just wanted to kind of give a brief, like, rundown of the fact that in the 80s, there was a sword and sorcery trend in movies, uh, like, that the, the highlights of it would be, like, Conan. Uh, willow lady hawk and then the like it's one of those trends that really like crashed down into the bottom of the barrel and then you had like movies like the barbarians starring the barbarian brothers and um the wizards of the lost kingdoms kingdom one and two which uh were on the most recent uh mst3k remake they uh reviewed those so that's what i got (sighs) and i know i missed some. (laughs) yeah you definitely missed some you definitely,
2: where was Mad Love on that list? That's the origin. Is that not the origin of the evil hand trope? Is that not I the oldest? I think you're right.
0: I think I just missed it. The Peter Lorre uh, movie. Uh, uh, and uh, then also, what
2: about Running uh, Man?
0: I thought about Running Man. It's, it's got, it's Man. It's got some collars that blow people's heads off. Yeah. I also, oh yeah. There's also this movie, or this movie, this series of episodes also has a, an exploding head. And I always love good exploding head movies. Um but I've already recommended scanners before, but that didn't <laughs> stop me. For, I don't know. I could have done it again.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And <in> 48 <laughs> hours because Lauren literally says, like, my only person who's seen 48 hours. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, our rant section. Well, I already ranted about the Cordelia costume, but uh, so I'm going to, I guess, I guess move on from that one. Yeah. Um, I guess my rant, my first one, will be about the uh, Gun's friend's funeral, which is like WTF about that. Like, so Gun's friend, so the whole Gun arc, which we've talked about a little bit here, is deeply sad. So Gun doesn't participate um, in like when he's needed. His friends come to him. They show up at like the hotel and everything. They know where Gun could be, and they're like, Gun, we need you. He's like, guys, do you have to go right now? I'll I'll join you in a bit. We've got, we've got to kill some monster or something, and then like. Of course, Gun's friend ends up like with two vampire bites in his neck and he's dead or something, you know, they don't know if he's been drunk or what. And so they burn his body. And like, I think they don't for as much the time as Gun is spent with, you know, around vampires and supernatural stuff. I feel like the vampire education or supernatural education has got to be limited because they don't I don't think they need to burn the body. Well, you guys are all looking at me skeptically. But that one like that triggered me and I'm like, wait, what this what kind of ghetto, you know, like this is like this weird ghetto urban funeral thing they're doing where they're burning him on a pile of like old pallets. It just made me sad, like this this sad end to this, like visit to guns universe that's like been completely destroyed by uh, by the supernatural. So do you have to I mean, I guess this is a question like, do you have to burn a body because it has two bites on it? Like, I think you either become a vampire or you don't. It's not like, you I know, think you're gonna revive there's a, later. There's a waiting time, right?
0: right? Yeah, yeah.
1: You gotta. You get your blood
3: drained, then you drink some blood, and then you appear dead, and then you have to be buried, and then you rise. You don't have to be buried. No, you have to have soil. Yes, I know, the soil. Okay, so they have had to, to burn the body? Ugh. Yeah. It seems like
2: right. a, this is like a safe bet. Yeah. To be safe. Also, All it right. seems like less, like I, the other alternatives would be to like, decapitate the body or stake the body and i that that seems like not as dignified as at least uh cremation is like a normal thing to do with the body not on a pile of pallets normally but it's what they did with darth vader the pallets (laughs) basically
3: (laughs) i admit it would have been funny if angel the series had introduced like a like a, uh, a crazy crematorium-like character that they, they could show up and, like, cremate, cremate potential vampire, like, uh, uh potential, you know, the friends that have been killed by vampires that may become vampires. Yeah, come to and, think like,
2: of it, if you could just push, cre- like, cremation as, uh you know, a more mainstream option in Sunnydale, Buffy would have a lot less work on her hands. Yeah. They just need to, Shoot, like...
1: you're so right. They absolutely need to cremate <laughs> all <kill> the bodies. <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> what are they doing? They should learn their lesson by now. Damn. All right. So Angel getting some sun. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dennis. Oh, no. I was just going to continue that rant. but
0: I oh, no, please it's continue. It's a good one. Cremate the bodies. I think the vampires obviously have some sort of financial stake in this. They've probably taken over the funeral home industry. Ah, steak.
1: <laughs> Dude. Totally, Vampire Funeral Home will be a great TV series. <laughs> Super clear what's going on there, and there it's not even, but it'll make sense. People will get it. Uh, okay, so Angel getting some sun, right? So this is like both a lovely moment because we like seeing Angel happy, Which and even though it's fake sun. Right, so it happens twice here on the commercial for and the it's beach. The third You'd time like, overall.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes, but it could be all the time if he just kept the ring of a. Fire. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that just makes me crazy because he loves
2: it (laughs) he loves the sun but he doesn't deserve it he does love the sun they did the thing the first time where they made it really clear that he's really pale once you see him in the sun they did not seem to be repeating that no he's
0: he's beautiful all right David Boreanaz really isn't that pale though, (laughs) (laughs) for an Irish guy (laughs) <laughs>
1: okay uh, so this rant this didn't come up yet lauren's head on a platter this is cruel to do to tv watchers like that we discover now that the how the anatomy works like it's just totally made up so they can do this head on a platter thing and then they do the rump joke too so they got a couple jokes out of this idea that like you can decapitate um and decapitate lauren and like he's still alive but like i was like I was like, damn, he's going to die in this universe. Like, I totally bought it. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that's that's a bigger choice than I would think. And then it's like, <laughs> "I pops like, hey, what's going... You know, like, total total clown car here. I just couldn't believe that they made that move. And I was... It made me angry watching the show. I'm like, now nothing matters. Because if you decapitate someone, they can come back to life. Like, then obviously Buffy's going to come back to life. Like, obviously, like, no, no character... Di- like, it... Unless it's from the earlier part of the show, I guess, like with Jenny Calendar and stuff, where people can be permanently dead.
2: But uh, I don't know. That just made me angry. I, I, my problem was the effects. It uh, the <laughs>
0: effects are just clearly not quite there to to sell yeah. the the talking head. I like, like that they built a pretty decent looking prop uh, Lorne head, uh, but then there's shots where they like spliced in Lauren really talking right on top of it. And it's like, it moves a little, but the head doesn't. Yeah. Ugh. Well, and then like the, the, the head prop, there's a version of the head prop that has a moving jaw. Yeah. So like a couple times,
2: yeah, they cut, they cut the wide shot, but it doesn't work. <laughs> like it, it it works, but it
0: doesn't quite sell it where it's just sort of like, he's like <laughs> creepily sort of wagging his jaw. There's kind of a one third shot though, where you can just see it blinking. And I was like, this is pretty solid. Well, I was totally not paying attention to the effects. I was so angry
1: <laughs> at the then this mini quest of reuniting the head with the body, and then it'll come together like.
2: Yeah.
0: What it you do start to think going? about like, how is he talking? Where is he getting oxygen from? How does his lungs work? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and well, like the uh, the whole the whole um even though it's three episodes, it still feels like there's elements they could have done without that I'd prefer that they spend more time on other things. Like, I don't like the Lawrence head thing yet. Yeah, it feels like a side quest. I don't, it doesn't really have that much emotional
0: payoff. I'd rather no, they like, do it because they have the that. good reveal. Give me some more they the good stuff. reveal. I liked it. I was like, this is what I'm going to draw for this week.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they do it for a TV cliffhanger moment. And it's just like, and then you have to walk through, t- you know, however many minutes of exposition to justify this <laughs> good moment because they don't want to commit to actually killing the character. And it's so aggravating that I'm like, oh, now I have to, now this is the drama? Fuck me. (laughs) this. (laughs) I was just so angry with that. That's why this is the rant section. Okay. And then um, (laughs) I love hate how they abolish slavery before leaving. They're just like, and you're all free. And then they explain like, oh, and there'll be reconstruction, you know, next to follow. And then, you know, freaking Gruseluk's like, Re what? And like then they get gun, you'll take care of this. And then Gun, like I should have picked this as the best quote. But like Gun explains the challenges of slavery, like what 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 freedom means to people. And it's like it's an awesome like note to American history. It's great, but just like, what did they just do? They like it's awesome because they totally invert the victory immediately by talking about the challenges they'll experience, <laughs> the uprisings and concerns. I love hate it. Cause like they could have just left and like not done that. And they did, which is amazing. But uh, it also like undermines the thing they just did. Cause they didn't discuss any of the consequences of, of that before doing this plan, like this revolution plan, because like Wesley's got a plan. Yeah. Let's, let's go fix the copier, right? Whatever, you know, this guy, the copier fixer, let's do what he says. Like, I don't know. It just, it just
2: makes everything more complicated and it is complicated, but then they don't, yeah. I don't know. Well, it's like I, the bikini. I like the thing illusion to complication. About. It's just like the bikini thing, where it's like being smarter than a thing doesn't mean you're not going to go ahead and do it,
0: right? <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Uh, and so, like, this is totally the moment in that one Star Trek where uh, Captain Kirk reads the reads the Declaration of Independence to the people, and then just like beams up. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally that. Uh, uh, except, yeah, except they're smarter than that, so they know they're doing it. So they just
0: like, we're going to do this thing. There, we did it. <laughs> like, Luckily we don't have to stay in Pylea because yeah. <laughs> really that could be the rest of the show is like trying to guide them through reconstruction, right? Right. <laughs> like if they were yeah, going to take responsibility for what they did.
1: Yeah. Movies. I mean, it's the whole. Yes. Like I'd be amazing. Uh, next next, rant here. There's so many. Sorry. This is uh, the what's the code moment <laughs> when Lindsay thinks he's going to like get some information about the evil hand or whatever. And he's talking to this detective. The detective's like, all right, so tell me the code. <laughs> and once he's like, oh, I'll pay you whatever you want. And the guy just goes to kill him. It's amazing. That, that like inversion on Lindsay, that. That's the best. That build is the best. And then that angel shows up to rescue Lindsay. I was like, Oh, come on. Uh, so then the other part of dead end, which is the worst, which is that Lindsay's in- investigation of his evil hand, like just chop it off. It's messed up. It's like something <laughs> terrible's happening. Like it's not, but he goes through the whole investigation. And like the whole time I'm confused about what he's even trying to accomplish with it. And I, I don't think it's clear what he's trying to accomplish. What he's trying to do is team up with angel Get to the weird body body vat room. Be horrified, and that's it. Like that's the goal. And then invert and you know quit Wolfman Hart while being an antihero. But like that arc doesn't it doesn't make sense for him to go that deep. I mean, he knows Wolfman Heart is fucking evil. Like he knows that <laughs> yeah. he works for them. They want him to be the boss. They are grooming him, and also with some object to control him. Right. Like this is all very cool. Like like Lila senses that. Like. You know, when when she sees him getting that moment alone with the boss, right, where it's like, oh, he's going to get promoted and I'm not. And so it's like you see this arc of evil promotion, but he's going to be he's going to be skeptical and paranoid and investigate it. But like he knows it's evil. So, like, it feels like it's not necessary. And also, why does why can't he just have access to this information? Why is it hidden? I don't think it's hidden at all. So the 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 back channel thing of Lindsay investigating stuff is like super confusing to watch. So I had to watch. I watched that episode a couple of times just because I was like, wait, when is the moment when he decides that that's what he's doing? I mean, we see him get curious about the hand and go after it. So this is this kind of the end of the rant is just like it's a little convoluted. I, ultimately, I like it and I get it. But there's just like a couple steps missing of why Lindsay is surprised at how evil the company works for is. And I, I feel like it's not the hand is personal, but it's not personal enough. Like. It's not like the hand is going to kill someone he loves. What the hand could do is kill him. Which is <laughs> that crazy moment where the dude stabs his own f- face with a you know with the knife or whatever. Ah. Uh, this episode's
2: so messy. Anyway, I'm just going to walk away from the hand. <laughs> <laughs> um I would like to uh for my rant, I would like to slightly extend one of your rants Michael. Um I uh, thinking about the uh the bikini scene which i think is kind of the heart of the the whole maybe even the whole three episode thing it's kind of like uh the beginning of wizard of oz that like it's the it's the statement of the problem that like sets up the fantasy um so like you have uh angel in this moment that I found like, you know, kind of really, really relatable. Those moments where you're like, you want to be the good feminist ally and you intervene in a completely clumsy and idiotic and uh, selfish way uh, where he's like, I'm going to be the hero of this and I'm going to save you from the evil uh, director who's male gazing you. And Cordelia is just like, you have no idea how complicated this relationship is and this interaction is and please stop trying to help. You're an idiot. Right. Um, And I feel like I actually feel like, um, and I completely agree with you that the show wants to have its cake and eat it too, and and it wants to be smarter than the things that it keeps doing. But I also feel like um, the princess role is kind of connected to that moment where, uh, you know, you have um, like being a successful actress, uh, being the princess is this like form of power that has all of these like strings and it's this kind of power. It's this weird kind of power where the you know the monks are like oh you're the you're the princess you're totally the princess we'll totally do anything you say except we'll totally kill you if we feel like it and i feel like um there's a similar thing going on with uh Cordillo's relationship to being an actress where it's like oh it's this desirable thing and she actually definitely wants it and definitely wants wants to do that and it gives her a kind of power but it's also this sort of restricted power it's this power that comes uh only at the behest of people who are going to you know literally hold 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 uh hold her life in their hands uh so i feel like i feel like that kind of that that is a theme that runs through the whole thing and also angels like does he actually repeats like if you think of Pylea as this high contrast universe right that whole scene is repeated when he faces off with the gruselog right uh angel is he wants to rescue cordelia and he's um uh and the Gruesalogue wants to rescue Cordelia, and he's got this guy whispering in his ear, like, "If you don't, you're g- she's going to be raped by a monster." Uh, and there's this both these these guys who are, f- who are f- fighting ostensibly to save Cordelia, but they're also sort of fighting over her, right? In a in a kind of a possessive way. So I don't know. I th- I think I think there's there's a lot of smart things going on with that that kind of like connect throughout it. But it's like you said, it's also. It's it it's doing a lot of the The show is enacting a lot of the things and I'm wondering what it must have been like to be an actress working on this show or what it must have been like be Charisma Carp- Carpenter working on this show and doing those scenes, uh, you know, and, and maybe even knowing a little bit of what we know now about Joss Whedon. Like, I don't know, like the how much did how much how ironic does, did it feel? Did it feel ironic? I don't know. Like, it makes you wonder.
0: Yeah, thanks, John. Um, yeah, I definitely think like knowing what we know about Jess Whedon now and how much like his, like it, his feminist ally stuff almost is performative. Um, maybe he's not even, maybe he wasn't even aware of it, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, all right, I'm going to move on to my rant and it's not as deep as your guys's. Uh, <laughs> it just, shocks me when i rewatch this season how long it takes us to learn lauren's name um it was it's been a struggle for like three episodes of this podcast or maybe four to be like calling him the host when i want to call every time i want to call him lauren um so it's just always a surprise how long it takes to get to that uh so that's all i got uh in terms of that (laughs) that lauren rant um i have another one that's it's also not as deep but a little deeper of um part of Lauren's critique of Pylea is like basically saying it's a world without art, you know. He he addressed it as a, it's a world without music and um it's interesting also cuz like just how many fantasy worlds or sci-fi worlds don't have art, you know? Not that we'd necessarily see them in a story, but I actually thought about this unrelated to this while I was watching um Solo the other like a couple of weeks ago. I rewatched Solo and I was like this is anyone an artist in the um I mean, I guess there's musicians, there are performers, we know that, but in like the Star Wars universe, like, it's like, you're either part of the empire or you're a rebellion or you're a smuggler. Like, I guess you can be a, a performer, but like, I don't know. He, like, he wasn't like, I got to get ai have got to get out of Corellia. I'll join a band. Um, <laughs> it just made me think about like, I don't know. Lauren has this whole thing about the value of the arts and like Angel never really connects with that. Um, yeah. Like Angel never he, you know, he learns he every week learns the value of the gray side of herodom uh, and has to relearn it. But he doesn't like learn this, Lauren's whole thing about the value of music <laughs> um, it, aside from it being like a sonic attack.
2: Uh, <laughs> well the the um the metaphor with Lauren is is, I feel like is pretty pretty transparent. Like Lauren is uh, really heavily coded gay. Even if the character isn't literally gay and the fact that he like comes to, um, like moves spit, like from the country to the big city to, to, you know, with a family that's rejected him and finds a, finds a place that, uh, where he feels comfortable. Um, it's a, it's a pretty common story. I, both in real life and in fiction, I suppose. Right. Uh, I heard an interesting interview with a guy, uh, I just had to look him up, uh, Jack Halbertstam who uh, kind of with the term uh, metronormativity to describe how that narrative kind of like leaves out all of the uh, queer people that are in the kind of rural areas that we kind of tend to not see because we're so obsessed with that narrative of going to the big city. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I know anything about that. Did not read his book. Just heard an interview. (laughs) Uh, But like that's pretty clearly like the story that they're trying to tell us with, with Lauren, I feel like.
3: Uh, Well, my rant is uh, pretty, pretty brief, but it, you know, you see how much fun it is when like the characters get to go on some like adventure, like the angel characters. And part of me just like uh, wishes that we got a Buffy adventure, like a Buffy adventure arc where they went to camp or they went to like Europe (laughs) camp or Euro Disney (laughs) (laughs) or they went on a cruise. I don't know like I would have taken any like any adventure or, like they went camping like Buffy imagine Buffy and the crew going camping like and then they fight some monster you know yeah I'd watch
0: that yeah they don't move they don't leave Sunnydale very often that just reminds me of yeah. our, our recent monster of the week thing when we were ended up in those woods yeah
3: so it's it's just like there's so much fun things you can explore when you take the characters out of their normal environment yeah which was amazing for Angel
1: to do it's such a big step it's so different than the end of Buffy this season I mean they do kind of go on an adventure they like go on their you know RV trip with Spike at the end of season 5 but it's you know and they hide out of the old gas station whatever it is but like